Good morning. Good morning. Another beautiful best ball breakfast here with your host, Peter Overzet. We'll get that coffee pour. I know how you guys all like that on these morning streams. Ah, just nothing like a peaceful stream. Just me by myself hanging out with the chat. What could go wrong? Oh, we're here? doing coffee, huh? Mm -hmm. What the? ASMR, Pete. This is my safe space. This is my special space where I get to do a stream away from you. Uh, well, I brought my coffee. We're crossover episodes, splash play and best ball breakfast. You never see these hosts together. Today, you're going to see it, Pete. So I'm going to ruin your sanctity. I'm going to ruin your Peter Rogers approach. Peter Rogers, Mr. Rogers approach to, uh, to best ball. And we're going to do it big time today on Pete's account. Best ball mania three. Hit whatever intro you want. Cheers. <laughs> Now, now who does the intro part? I don't know. It's what show you. No, it's, I mean, this is best ball <laughs> breakfast is ruined. I, this is, this is now splash play. It's a splash play episode. We're going to try to do our best to infuse it with the typical best ball breakfast energy. I'm normally hopped up on, on coffee though. And feeling like it is two 30 in the afternoon anyways. Yeah, I honestly just spilled coffee on myself, drinking it out of this metal straw <laughs> Alex gave me. But it is a splash play best ball breakfast crossover episode where we'll not probably not talk about a lot of news up top. We'll just get right into the drafting part of things. But of course, I am here, Chris Spags, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. And Pete, uh, the last time I saw you was on Friday, the best ball Royal Rumble over at Spike Week. Things were looking pretty lit with you and Evan Silva. So tell people about the experience there because Silva's a legit celebrity. That's like seeing a white rhino out in the world. Yeah, well, I was uh, I was giving them a hard time on the stream because they had hyped up their mystery guest <laughs> that it was Dan Bach. So I did. Uh, I was uh, got up to go up to uh, North Cape Cod there near Provincetown and uh, meet up with Silva and uh, Pat Thorman. So it was uh, I got to do, I don't know, maybe the first seven or eight picks. And then we decided to head into town uh, for dinner and drink. So I'm driving those guys. I'm passing my phone back to Pat Thorman and be like, will you just make these picks for me? I don't think I ended up wanting uh, three tight ends, which ended up happening. Uh, otherwise, a pretty fun draft. I actually haven't even checked in on any of the teams to see how they turned out. Did you uh, like how your squad ended up? I think you ended up a little bit uglier than I thought. I did go a very piss boy heavy wide receiver heavy in that room because I thought that was how it was going to go. Instead, everybody was spamming running backs left and right, then panicked and started taking every receiver off the board. So didn't have the usual flow that I would have liked. I am curious, though, about hanging out with Pat Thorman because Thorman's a guy I've followed and has followed me back on Twitter for a while. And he seems like one of the coolest dads in the world. Like his kids eat oysters and sushi, like um, just chill vibes, always has the right alcohol, takes about everything. Like Thorman's one of those guys I quietly idolize from afar. Yes, uh, Thorbid uh, is uh, one of the absolute funnest hangs, and how you described him is is uh, perfectly accurate. Yeah, very very nice dude, very uh, good taste. He made us his. Uh, he has he's a big margarita guy, and so he always makes his pateritas, uh, which is generally a little improvisational when you don't have your full you know wet bar ingredients. But he whipped us up some margs there on Friday. But yeah, it was a it was a good time. Uh, our, I'll tell you one funny story from we went into. Uh, town and we were getting dinner and they had a hockey game on it you know the abs and lightning and we're like sweating this game and silva's talking about a futures bet he has there's some abs fans next to us who you know were kind of mad that silva was rooting for the lightning then i go home on saturday and i see there's a game on that night and I, I'm like, that doesn't make sense that they would play back-to-back -back games. And I realized we were sweating a live replay that had happened on <laughs> Wednesday. And not us, nor the other Avs fans, knew that it wasn't a live game. So that's how many drinks we had had. That's a good side of the amount of fun you guys are having on that weekend. But of course, uh, make sure you're following Pete's channel. Pete's still doing content. I think we're actually doing the stream earlier today because Pete's heading out of town for the afternoon, which worked out well because it is a federal holiday, Pete. And I don't know what the proper way to celebrate Juneteenth is. Like I actually looked up, like, what are we supposed to do? Apparently it's not have a barbecue, but we're just going to have a barbecue today. Um, but support black owned businesses, support your, you know, your friends doing stuff. I think it'd be one thing that I would recommend doing as somebody trying to do the right thing for the holiday. But um, you're going to New York, right? For the afternoon. Yeah, I'm going to New York, like a quick 48-hour trip. We're doing a uh, Club Top Shot live show from the Underdog offices oh. tomorrow night. So uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, I found that uh, Jeremy, the CEO of Underdog, he was like, we should just make it a party. And I was like, that sounds good to me, but 
there is an element with a live podcast taping where you are going to need some semblance of quietness uh, to pull off the actual podcast. So who knows? It could be a clusterfuck. We are going to attempt to live stream it. So if you want to tune in and if the acoustics are bad, just, I don't know, just don't blame me. It should be a fun time though. That is the kind of content I support. Get creative with it. Actually, Pete, it's funny. So like last week I did a bunch of like guest spots on various streams and some of the Spike Week shows, whatever. I've actually gotten booked on CBS's fantasy football podcast for tomorrow uh, to talk about my best ball knowledge and the things that I've learned wow. as somebody coming into the space. So I, people just know I'll never say no to anything. So now it's moving me up the food chain bit by bit. There you go. I, I wonder. I wonder what, you know, thing they tuned into that kind of sold them as your audition tape for, you know, CBS, you know, was it the solo Friday streams? They're like, we saw this guy with the margaritas drunk out of his mind, messing up the one one We need him. It was actually, so I think uh, the guy, Frank over there, I think his handles are uh, Roto underscore Frank who's one of the, uh, the fantasy football guys over at CBS. I think he also does baseball too. Uh, but he was like, love your stream with overs at. So I think it's us through you, but weirdly they didn't book you. They were like, Pete's probably not going to do it for free. Let's go to the <laughs> other guy who'll do anything just to get one follower per show. <laughs> hey, hey, CBS, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, I'll, it'll be a very fair rate. Trust me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Other, just one other little bit of housekeeping thing, just because we do have, uh, and I, I'm now realizing how much of my life is in Discord. Uh, I'm my account is essentially shadow banned or soft blocked for the next 48 hours. Um, they said I exceeded my rate limit with API calls. Truly, have no idea what that means or how I would have done that. But they are basically threatening me uh, not to log into my account. I can't even do it when I'm on my Wi-Fi. I can occasionally get in if I'm connected to just like my 4G, not associated with my IP address. So, long story short, if you're trying to get in contact with me specifically for an FTNYC logistics stuff. Hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I'll be sure to check uh, my mentions in those DMs. So yeah, I am uh, I'm mainly going to be Discord list here for the next 48 hours. Pete was just hoarding those API calls like a guy pulling copper wire out of an abandoned house. So unfortunately, you can't get in. But that's, uh, I didn't know you were such a big time Discord smuggler. That was the thing that I was unaware of in our relationship. I mean, yeah, it, it is rough too. I mean, we do so much of our fantasy life um, prep in there in collaboration for all the daily newsletters. Uh, I'm obviously hanging out in the Deposit Kingdom channel a lot and uh, a bunch of my group DMs are there. So I'm feeling very naked and lost this morning. Also, uh, Lundar's chatting here, uh, <laughs> talking over the poor. I think people talk during sex pretty regularly from what I know. That's you know the buzz on the street at least. I haven't, sex? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, Spags, this is where Spags, uh, you know, tells us how much talking he traditionally likes to do during sex. Now, Spags, this is, I will say, this is truly where we know this is a best ball breakfast crossover event because traditionally on Splash Play, I would never allow one of my precious 150 max bullets be wasted on your beautiful best ball brain. But today, I do think since I'm hosting, it's not nothing but fair but to enter this BBM3 draft on my account. And then I can just overrule you and bully you and do whatever I ultimately want. I think that seems fair. That seems like a uh, classic splash play in some respects of me producing some of the streams lately, actually getting to take picks that I, I wanted to take. So hope you guys like running backs in your first seven rounds because today it's best ball breakfast versus splash play. And, and I think the best ball breakfast part is going to win pretty heavily. Yeah. And I, I truly, I, I, I will just, I'm begging you not to get the one-on-one uh, today. It is out of control right now. People are angry. People are mad. The conspiracy theorists are out. I guess 102 will be fine. <laughs> the people's 101, the 102 pick. <laughs> I did uh, I did a cardio club draft this morning because I was uh, trying to sneak it in before I head out to New York, and I had the 103 in that one. Um, I, I'm telling you, my August is going to be exclusively 111 and 112. It, it's coming. <laughs> How many entries are you at now? I am, I think I'm up to like 50. Uh, so you're making 50. progress, actually. I've been, I've gone hard the past week to the point where I had a really bad draft the other day where I was just so mad at it. Normally I like can cobble it together, accomplish what I want to do. And I was like, this was just a trash draft, Peter. You need to take some time off. Yeah, I'm at nine, uh, 81 now in Best Ball Mania to match my 109 and the puppy that I got in before that closed. And I saw Liam's blasting off pretty hard with his streams, so he's up to the 90s. And uh, I think, I don't know what the right rate to be at, but you know as somebody who's done this last few summers, like what I should be at. Does 80 feel about right to you as I guess as we take this pick? Yeah, um, I, and I want to mention 
sorry, say that again. Your 80 feel about right to you through this point in the yeah, summer? Yeah, through this point, you know, mid-June. Well, yeah, I think I think if you're barbelling uh, completely, again, I'm not going to have the luxury of barbelling, so I'm going to keep, I'm going to be at a steady drip all summer. I'm going to be really busy in August. Um, but yeah, if, you're, if you have the patience to kind of take your feet off the gas in July, uh, I think uh, I think 80 sounds like a pretty good number. And of course, I like that you just quickly took Cooper. You took Cooper Cup, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you took Cooper Cup there. We didn't even have to acknowledge it. If Cooper Cup's on the board, the 102, I feel like you got to take him every time, though. I saw him go with the 105 in a draft recently. It was like, I, I think you're overthinking things a little bit too much at that point. So, and I will tell you this, and I don't know if you've noticed this, because I ended up doing probably four or five BBM drafts over the weekend and I do feel like things have started to change. The rooms are slightly more running back heavy. I've been funneled to way more zero RB builds um, and in a way that felt way more natural. But then I see all the familiar phrase. This is the badge bros draft. I mean, I've never in a draft with this many red badges. And so to me, uh, honestly, if I was just doing this in the comfort of my own home and the secrecy of uh, my stairmaster, I probably would have just taken Jonathan Taylor at 102 there. But knowing this room in the wide receiver avalanche, a draft where CD Lamb is going 110, I was not going to skip on Cooper Cup there. Yeah, not I, of course, appreciate going wide receiver early. I think it's a nice olive branch from you on a normally a time that is your safe space of best ball breakfast. Now you're actually taking a receiver in the first round. And that's got to be great for the people to see as well. It is good. It is good for the people to see. It, it It is already wild to see some of the big movements. I don't know about you, but I am just, I don't, I will, I probably will not have any more Travis Etienne, um, maybe right before the season. Um, once we have like max information, but it's like, I feel like I packed my bags in the fifth round and now he is never there in the fifth round anymore. Yeah, he's gotten fourth, I think, end of the third. I've seen a few times. And I enjoy Dobby's conspiracy theory on Pete's 101 is that underdog wants a quote-unquote professional best ball streamer to win so they could sell the product to other state lotteries as a game of skill rather than gambling. I'm, not even, pulling, I'm not even pulling that chat up. I mean, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> well, I mean, Dobby's a regular, so I, I think he's doing that half as a bit. But, like, I, I'm honestly – so here's what I was thinking about with all these appearances I've been doing on different shows. If I don't win money this year, I'm going to look like such an asshole where it's like, yeah, I really uh, advise, took advice from the best people, did the best research I could, and I just lose 10 grand. <laughs> it would be very sad. The thing I, that I also, too, and I don't want to demoralize people, and I when I was kind of uh, you know, talking about it in my video about week 17 and like the gauntlet you have to get through, I truly think – Say, say someone as a thought experiment, eight weeks, eight weeks through the season, you got to hand build like 150 teams with the knowledge of what had already happened. I still think you would be a dog to win BBM three. Like that's, that's how much just like has to perfectly go right for you. Uh, even with max information. So that is even to say, I feel like a, if someone had 150 101s, it would probably actually end up being a curse too. I mean, you first of all just have to start taking different players purely for exposures. Um, and think of all the players that like in that in this gap from like eight to seventeen that you would never have access to. I actually don't think it would be a good thing. I think strategically the 112 and then the turn is the most valuable pick if you are going pure strategy. Like I think if you wanted, if you were trying to rig a tournament, which again, we're not saying that's actually the case. You were in a rig a tournament. I think getting that spot's most advantageous because you're getting to make two moves at once and then you get to strategize again, you know, against what you think everybody's going to be doing in the upcoming round or the upcoming two rounds. Yeah. So I think that's the one. Like if you really wanted to do that, that's the way. 101 is difficult because you just get forced into whatever else the room is doing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And again, like I, I know these are, you know, Pete problems, but it is always the same wide receivers available for me. Always. Like if you are wanting to go zero RB, you're always looking at Higgins, AJ Brown, or if you want to reach on one of the um, chargers wide receivers, I think how I'm going to want to play this here is I, I will say because we like so many of these running backs, I mean, Spags, pick your favorite of Keenan or Mike Williams, and then we'll grab a running back at 3-2. I think knowing that Keenan Allen is over 30 makes me want to go Mike Williams' way just because Keenan Allen, could, he's already fallen apart in his 20s. I don't know how his 30s are going to go. Yeah, and I mean, this this could be a spot where we could double tap. It, and again, in a normal draft, if somehow the board fell like this, which it never would, I would consider double tapping the running backs. But again, I know what's going on with this room. And I'm going to be willing to take a detour for one of these running backs here just because I think um, it's at pretty nice value. But I, the, getting the correlation boost with 
Cup and Mike Williams there, I think makes it um, not feel as gross. Which of which of these backs? I've, I'll let I'll let you select any of the green at the top here. So I never take Saquon, and I feel like you love Saquon. So let's go Saquon. Okay, I do. Yeah, I would say. Hmm, how would I rank these in here? I would probably rank it Javante, Saquon, Fournette, Chubb, Kamara for me. Javante, even with Gordon now officially back. Yeah. Again. I just, I think of all of these guys, like who has the profile to be this year's Jonathan Taylor and it is Javante Williams. And again, I think it could be a little slow going at the start. Um, but I just kind of feel like it's going to be the Jonathan Taylor thing where he's so much better that they can't keep him off the field as the season goes. So maybe use Melvin Gordon early on to make sure that he has some fresh legs and he's not completely overtaxed. And then he just surges at the end of the season. That's kind of my thesis on him right now. See, I'm not saying that I think you're wrong, but I think in terms of how football coaches think is that, oh, he's so productive per touch. We can't give him more touches or he's going to be weakened then as a result of that. So I think Melvin's going to get his 10 to 15 a game. And then maybe Javante gets like, you know, a 60% share instead of the 50 that he got last year. But I just, I don't know that it's enough with Gordon. Like I like Javante more where he was going when there was no, or when it seemed like Melvin Gordon was going to sign with the Ravens or anywhere else. So I have some lack of faith there, but, but I get it. And I just want to push back on one thing. Owen in the chat, uh, who is spelled Eoin, but I learned on Friday it's Owen um 101 is also two picks at one spags but you're dealing with just all running backs by that point when you get back there like the end of the round you get tight ends you get wide receivers you get different groups it's always just a bunch of running backs when you are at the 101 yeah and I, again it, this is so sick because the regular drafts right now um the the badgeless drafts look nothing like this this draft is insane Corton Slatton going at 3-1 Michael Pittman going here at what 210 i mean this is just a batshit crazy draft this morning but you're saying though because of the badges like this is inherently should be one of the smarter rooms to draft in and i do feel like seeing this right in front of our eyes like only one team taking three running backs in the first three rounds or i guess two now um it does feel like it's telling you a picture of what like you should expect in like a sharper drafting room right and i mean this happened uh, not to an extreme sense in the Spike Week Royal Rumble room, um, but in general, too, when you see um, these kind of industry drafts, I think it, I, I think it's a, a really nice illustrator for where the running backs should be valued. And they when these running backs slide, like I took James Conner, I think at the four or five turn in the Royal Rumble one. And that's probably more about where his true value should be. But running backs that are in good spots or project for a decent amount of volume as the starting running back, they just naturally get pushed up. Um, even though it's maybe not reflective of their actual points projection over the, over the course of the season compared to some of the wide receivers. So I do like drafts like this where, you know, some people are like, Oh man, the running backs falling so much. It's like, they might actually just be going in their efficient spot uh, in rooms like these. Uh, what you're saying there worries me about where Kyle Pitts just went. <laughs> We're going in the fourth round because I have so much Kyle Pitts. I sometimes take him at the end of the second round just to try to make sure that I'm getting an elite tight end of the group. As I've talked about, that's one of the things I try to do every draft. Pitts falls a lot. And the fact that he's falling in the sharp room, I think worries me a little bit about how good he actually might be. And it Kittle goes. That's crazy. Um, I do think that is weird. Um, yeah, because Kittle's just or uh, Kyle has oh. been just such. Such a rock solid part of the third round, a staple in all of these drafts. Sorry about Waller went. Yeah, but Waller and Waller and Pitts going the same round. I feel like you don't see very often. Um, but it does seem like maybe uh people I know have I've pushed the idea of just taking players from good teams, and Atlanta's certainly not projecting to be a good team. So I guess that could be part of why Pitts might fall in this particular room. I thought in this room maybe Justin Herbert would fall. Ah, oh, I was gonna Kittle. take Kittle. Um mm. I think I think I want to take Gabe. Davis here and then kind of see what Nino does. Anyone else? I mean, I know you like Metcalf. Yeah, I would go Gabe over Metcalf just because he's getting steamed up more and more every draft. So why not buy in on the on the rise rather than the dip of Gabe Davis? So I missed it on the stream. Did Liam ever? I mean, not that he had to, uh, I know for the personal brand, but did he explain why he took Gabe Davis in the second round of the Royal Rumble draft? I think he was just doing it for the bit and to make sure he got all, I think he thought there was a chance that Josh Allen would go in the sec or would go. I forget. He explained it, but it was like, he thought Allen could go, but Davis might go even more early. So like, that was why he played that risk profile. But yeah, you shouldn't take Gabe Davis in the second normally. All right. I would say Metcalf or Brees Hall. Who do you like? I would say Metcalf just because we got Saquon. All right, let's do it. 
Like, I don't think we need another running back yet is why. Let's be clear. Also, people want the value hounding, Pete. And I don't know that we've gotten any tremendous value so far. I guess DK Metcalf would be the one guy. And I don't know that you would consider him a value. Saquon's a value. Come on, guys. I mean, I'm not going to put a hard and fast rule on what's going to pull out the value hound clip. But I will say two picks past ADP is uh, is not going to do it uh, here. So uh, it's in the I actually don't know if I have it in the splash play hopper. Um, but it's like. You know, if I were to bonk Spags on just semi-horny comments, you know, it wouldn't be as special as when Spags truly got horny. Um, we can't water down these drops, guys. We actually have to earn them. It's same with the Visca clip. Everyone wants, you know, back in the day, they wanted us to roll the Visca or the Sky clip whenever anyone took them. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's only when we take them. There's a, there's a rule and etiquette to clip uh to clip spags. I also like there's something too with content where it's like, I think you and I have the same brain with it where it's like, you don't want to do the hits. Like you don't want to just play the hits over and over again. Like when I got the money hat bit over at Osmo and it's like, I have to down to this every stream where I have to flip an outrageous hat to show a dollar sign. And that's what people are like coming to a stream and tuning in at the halfway point of the stream to see a grown man turning his hat with a dollar sign on it. And it's like, I then become a tortured artist where it's like, I refuse to do it now. Like I <laughs> some sort of <laughs> protest. So I'm going to see with the value hound pit. You don't want to howl. You don't, you don't want to howl for the people. Uh, no, no, I, I we, we got to earn it. And honestly, in a room like this, um, maybe, maybe we'll get some running back value, um, late, maybe, maybe that, but right now this, uh, this doesn't strike me as a room that's going to let uh, a solid pet player slip 10 picks past ADP. I worry what our tight end is going to look like. Our, like that situation is going to be for us just because I'm so not comfortable not having elite tight end now. Like it's literally like my brain is like, Oh God, if Schultz is gone, we're down to Hawkinson. Then it's down to Goddard. And then, then at that point, we're just going to have Taysom Hill at tight end as our tight end one. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I mean, tr I, I like it. Like if I can get, I mean, I love all, I love the Pitts Waller and um, Kittle tier. I love the Hawk Schultz. Like, but I also, I, I don't freak out because there's, there's good tight end picks at every step of the way and you can still get away with two tight end builds in this range even after schultz and hawkinson any combo of like goddard until like the gesicki commit tier i feel like you can get away with two tight end builds and then you can build some really nice three tight end builds late as well if you need to um and there's lots of stack options too so i don't know i i kind of just let the the draft dictate it if i can get the elite tight end at a good price I'll scoop it up happily, but in a draft like this, I'm not like off. Oh, we're fucked um, just because we missed out on George Kittle by one pick. Eric B. also calling something out that I've seen a lot over the last week. I did cram some drafts in yesterday because my Father's Day wish for uh, my first Father's Day was to have no parenting actual responsibility at all. So anything I did was just like, uh, you know, being a, a rich white lady with a nanny was like, I wanted to come over and go, Luca, you're so cute. And then walk away and do a best ball draft. So I did spam a few yesterday. And Eric B. pointing out Mahomes available pick 60. QB has been dropping pretty heavily in some of these rooms lately. I don't know what to make of that. I think they have been a little bit overvalued so far this season. But like they're dropping precipitously. Like I got Herbert in the mid-sixth round yesterday. Yesterday, and that never happens. Yeah, because I think drafters too, you start to feel the opportunity cost of, you know, these last elite wide receivers. Like, obviously you can poke holes in Godwin and his injury recover, but I feel like after Godwin, and this is just kind of my personal feel, I feel like there's a tear break down to this Cooks and Mooney stuff. And if you're drafting a quarterback in this range, you're having to pass up on one of these wide receivers that has the potential to finish the season as a top 10 wide receiver. And so it makes sense to me that in some of these rooms, the drafts are starting to feel that um, and prioritizing the wide receivers in that range. Yeah, Brandon Cooks going up is the other observation I have where I know, I think Daigle was steeping him up a little bit on four for four the other day when he had a hard it's and, and Pat on that show and Hayden as well. Um, but like, I don't see the Brandon Cooks rise thing. Like, I don't think Brandon Cooks needs to go, you know, mid fifties. And he's one guy I've seen pop up a little bit more. And I'd rather take one of the rookies than him. I just don't, I don't, I just don't trust the profile. Like I'll get him if he's slipping, but if he's going above ADP, I don't see the value. And I was going to advocate for one of Kyler or Hertz there, but they do both both go mm. off the board. Um, this is one of the grossest spots in drafts, I think. Um, make a make a case for someone. This is a choose your own adventure. I would take one of the running backs at this point. At least there's some value on them. Um, Michael Thomas isn't going to do it for me. Yeah, let's uh, any running let's back. Let's do I think Eli Mitchell. One thing I've noticed about Gibson is Gibson is really starting to fall. I got him at pick 80 in a draft the other day. So to me, 
that's I'm kind of breaking ties like that. If I feel like ADP starting to move the other direction, whereas Mitchell's kind of held strong. Um, one other thing too, I wouldn't mind necessarily doing here and who knows if the room will allow us to get Lance, but I wouldn't mind taking, uh, IU here just to give us another kind of quarterback stack option. I could live with that. Honestly, the receivers up top, like if we'd taken AJ Dillon and Thielen, it could have made sense to have that one mini week 17 correlation. But at this point we didn't take either of those guys. So like, I don't see the point of taking then Dylan or Thielen now. Um, so at least yeah. we're building something with Ayuk. Yeah. And this is, I, I do, obviously I, I care and think about correlation a lot, but one other thing I think about a lot when I get squeezed out of the elite quarterbacks is giving myself outs for good stacks. And so that kind of becomes a priority to me. I would have loved to have grabbed Hertz there and just figured it out. Maybe we grab um, one of, maybe we get a Goddard or something like that would have been an easy way to accomplish that. But here I'm like, okay, we, we still have Stafford. Um, we have Lance now we can, um, we can start to, to mess around. Um, and because we, I don't really want to come out of, if we're punting both tight end and quarterback, I don't like that. Right. Where I'd like to, if we get funneled towards, we can get away with a three build at one of those positions, but I really don't want to do it at two. And the running backs too, two week, nine bye weeks. So, uh, you're tilting somebody out there. And, uh, I saw Willis, uh, our guy Willis is awesome, posted a board from a cardio club draft he did the other day where he got Hawkinson, I think, at pick 99. So there, there's some extreme values uh, out there these days. Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to happen as the summer goes on. Like, you'll see some sharp drafts, and you'll see some drafts that are absolutely asinine. I know Herzig was tweeting about doing the Friday night drunk drafts with people, or like, you know, with everybody else being drunk, and how he was just milking those tables. And uh, that is a real EV approach, I feel like, Pete, is the it's just grinding out other people's weaknesses and hoping you can find those spots. My favorite team that I've drafted in a long time was, was a really late night draft. It was like a... I don't know, 11.30 p.m. Eastern time. And it was, yeah, I, I I do buy that theory, right? It makes sense. Like you get in these morning drafts and it's all the, the sickos who don't know any other way to start their day than, than banging out a draft. Whereas the night drafts are you're getting the drunk dudes who come home uh, after having a few drinks and like, yeah, let's just blast off. And one of these things, these guys on Twitter won't stop talking about. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a worthwhile experience on either side of that equation. <laughs> Drunk drafting fun too, but that's where the structural drafting is important. Where like I'll I'll have some drafts after I'm tipping back a few and get a little free time, and like I still know like I'm trying to hit these benchmarks, which I think it's helpful to rein yourself in when the uh, the actual uh, the additives that you put into yourself are going to perhaps distract you in other ways. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will say it is fairly encouraging though that I thought the shift in how these drafts felt um would take a while like obviously it makes sense that come august and when more and more people are willing to think about uh drafting because i even have friends who are pretty into fantasy right now and they're like i just haven't been able to make the mental shift into drafting teams right now and i i get that like there is like once you get hooked you're hooked and then you're blasting off nonstop. but most people i think casual people won't get hooked until like august once we hit preseason and we start to really know a lot but the fact that the room started to change already I think kind of speaks to how big best ball is getting in the fact that it's now reaching people this early in the season. And, and based on the trajectory we're at, I mean, by next year we could have, you know, casuals drafting, you know, in May, I, I, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me either as best ball continues to grow. I hope so. I mean, I hope that's the case. Like I, I've talked, we've talked a lot about this show and just how best ball's moving. And like, I think it's an interesting trajectory where there is still a bit of an edge right now, but there's still a lot of sharp players that move things around, but you're getting enough pull on both sides where like in two years, when, when fantasy cruncher, whoever puts out the best ball optimizer, that's when it's going to be ruined. Like that's when it'll be not fun, but getting in now, if you're a casual, like I think now is the best time to probably do it as, as I've shown myself, hopefully. Yeah. It's uh, today in the Fantasy Life newsletter I've been doing on Mondays right now. We're doing more kind of like long form best ball strategy pieces. So today, you know, last week was just a basics, best ball basics. Today, I got into roster construction. So kind of piggybacking on the first video I made, uh, introducing uh, all of uh, Matthew Berry's readers to Zero RB, Anchor RB, Hyperfragile RB. So hopefully we'll get some more uh, casuals hopping in our BBM3 drafts here soon. Also, Brian in the chat, of course, our, our Island Mortgage King asking when Splash Play Drunk Draft. I think we could do that whenever. <laughs> that doesn't really need a, an event to peg to, I feel like. Well, I will say, Spags, I might, we we could, uh, we'll, we'll have to time it one of these days because I do think I'm, I'm going to New York uh, and 
now, but then I'm going to be, I think I'm going to stick around this weekend. So we could, we could maybe find one of these weekends where I'm not traveling and going to be, be home and uh, maybe flex a, a splash play show to a later night stream. That would be actually pretty fun to do like an 11 PM. But what I would say Spags, we might have to stealth attack it so that we don't have a badge bro draft. <laughs> Just invading and taking advantage of us live on camera. Not what you want. Oh boy, the Seattle stack right there, Pete. Or we could take yeah. Let's uh I don't I mean if Nino wants to take Stafford by all means, but I'm pretty sure Stafford will fall to us at pick 98. Um I have been starting to draft a lot of Ken Walker. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't mind it. Let's uh let's do that and with the with the thought that we'll be able to get uh Stafford here. Although Nino is also the one who took Cortland Sutton, so a bit of a wild card. So maybe this will backfire on me. Yeah, we're also going to lose Dawson Knox, I feel like, too. Yeah. Which, you know, doesn't matter that much because we do. It would be illogical, I guess, to have Davis and Knox and not have Josh Allen. Or it's not yeah. perfect, rather. Yeah, I don't know, Josh. I've been coming around. I, I am working on this new video with Michael Dubner about player selection and the type of archetypes we're looking for in players who um, can kind of super supercharge our team down the stretch. And the, um, the cohort that Kenneth Walker finds himself in, like with his draft capital and in an ambiguous situation, like history tells us, is there a chance Kenneth Walker just isn't good? Sure. That happens a decent amount. But history tells us that he'll wrestle away a good chunk of the backfield as the season progresses, which obviously coincides with our goals um, in Best Ball Mania 3. We also had, um, did we have our any correlation here yet? Um, oh, we had, we had Metcalf already. We had made the bet on on the Seahawks. So yeah, I don't know. I'm He's... He's the guy I found myself kicking off zero RB builds with, topping off like a, a hyper fragile build. I think Spags and I right now, Spags, depending on if we got our fourth running back in say the next two to three rounds, I do think we could still justify stopping at four running backs, especially if we end up getting funneled toward a three tight end build. I mean, I'm never going to mind less running backs than more. I, I am on Team Willis, though, with this one that I've taken a lot more Rashad Penny than Ken Walker just because of the yeah. ADPs, and I try to take the lower ADP back. And I think Penny showed enough to justify that maybe he can hang on to the job. The more I dig in on Walker, like he was also pretty highly rated by our Football Outsiders guys in the offseason, uh, them talking about you know players who fit the actual football on-field criteria and then hopefully trying to marry that with what we're going to get fantasy-wise. Ken Walker was the number one RB for them for a good portion of the offseason, and, and that was also based off some team reports and stuff and GMs and front office guys that they talked to at the combine. So like, I think Walker is good. I just think value wise, if you're getting penny at like 140, like that seems incongruent, but Walker's fallen enough now that I think it makes sense. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be clear to say, it's not like I want, I at there, when you factor in the price, I definitely want to have a decent amount of both. But again, when you think about the capital that these teams invest in these players and they do, they do want to showcase them. They do want to save face and they do tend to increase their role as the season goes on. Um, and there's kind of two different types of running backs that we look at, right? We're going to talk about the Rashad whites, the spillers, which are kind of true contingent value plays. And we want those guys, but there's also the running backs who are drafted highly to ambiguous situations and that this year is Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. And I think we're getting relative to what history tells us those guys can do weeks, you know, 14 through 17. I think we're getting a slight discount on them right now um, relative to how big of a role they could have down the stretch. I just think it's hard to ignore. Like I talk about the player profiler comps, which are based not off of like game film. They're based off the statistical things, kind of like what Pete's talking about with Dubner and the research he's doing. And it's like, you see this guy compared to LaDainian Tomlinson and maybe some people out there are a little too young to remember LaDainian Tomlinson at his peak. I never got LaDainian Tomlinson in season long leagues and it would drive me insane every year because he would end up being the best back by you know, a million lengths. And if Ken Walker is even 75% of what LaDainian Tomlinson was, like that could be amazing in this modern NFL. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously the elephant in the room is the Seahawks could just absolutely suck, yes. but I still would rather be in the business of betting on archetypes of players who have traditionally um, been able to succeed and kind of outperform their, their draft position and kind of, you know, not get caught up on trying to nail that. I always remember it was AJ Brown's rookie year too. I mean, even in rookie drafts and season long, people weren't touching him because they're like, yeah, it's Tannehill, they're run heavy, you know, whatever. And it's like, 
if these guys are the studs that we think they are, they're, they're going to get their touches. They're going to get their production. And it, the, the beauty of best ball media too is, Hey, we're making a bet on the Seahawks here as Spags is, is want to do. And uh, if the, if the Seahawks implode, so be it. We burn this entry. Um, if they are even uh, slightly better than anticipated, both Metcalf and Kenneth Walker are probably paying off their ADPs pretty good there. And of course, Drew Locke with his success in mobile QB, that does take away some checkdowns for a running back, which could be problematic for Ken Walker as Drew Locke steams his way to 5,000 passing yards and 40 touchdowns this year. But if that doesn't happen, Ken Walker's in a pretty good spot. I think if Geno starts especially, I would feel even better about Ken Walker. But um, hard to argue him either way. Let's see what our friend across the pond here, Cody Welshier, is going to do. Corbin Welsh, I, you missed the wild Friday stream. I had you hook it up with Rosie from the Jetsons because of the bots thing. <laughs> wow. Had some Corbin Welsh impressions. Tea party ah, Rumple has been a thorn in my side. I, I would have liked Gronk there. Um, I will say, I think maybe consider Galladay just because he gives us a, another backdoor quarterback stack option with Daniel Jones and kind of building out our Saquon. And then I will say, if we want to take Stevenson here, I wouldn't mind just being done with running back. Yeah, I've, I haven't gotten a lot of Ramondre lately. Um, he's probably not the one for me, but if he falls back to us and you want to go that way, I'm not going to be opposed. I, the we, the we other thing would end, be, though. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, I would say Ramondre or Fryermuth. I'm okay with either of them. I feel like if we don't take Fryermuth, we're really getting lean at tight end. Yeah. Um, if we go Fryermuth, the thing I'm thinking about is, can we get away with a four running back build or a two tight end build? I think we could still potentially get away with a two tight end build with Fryermuth. So let's, let's give that a shot. Have you seen some of the reports, by the way, that Trubisky's getting all the first team reps and like, it seems like there isn't a lot of hope currently for Pickett to start the year, like at all. Yeah, I actually ended up, I capitulated. I did finally take. Uh, I had a team where I got really squeezed out at quarterback and had two Steelers guys and ended up taking Trubisky on that team. Um, I still don't want to make a habit of that. That'll probably end up being my, a Trubisky, at least early on in the season, right? I think as we get closer to the season, we'll get more and more information, but there's still so many ways that can go wrong. And I'm still so scarred from drafting Terod Taylor over Justin Herbert, his rookie year, because we had similar reports, like very similar, like, Hey, Justin Herbert's not ready. Obviously an injury expedited things with, for, for Herbert, but still, I mean, I hate betting against the momentum of the franchise. You use a first round pick on Kenny baby hands picket. You clearly by the end of the season are going to want to see what you have in him. What have we said? Week 17 is where this all matters the most. Who's most likely to be starting for the Steelers when it matters? Probably Kenny Pickett. So I, I really don't want to make a habit of it, but I, I don't think it's awful in certain situations. Yeah, and let's hope that the, uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers doctors have the same approach, the operation board game style approach to doctoring that the Chargers had and just, just put needles wherever you want, Mitch Trubisky, and hope one of them knocks him off the field, I guess. I don't know. That's how Ron Taylor, in hindsight, was one of the weirdest things ever, that he just got a rib injury from them just not knowing how to inject him. Yeah, it looks like everyone's having a rough go of it in this draft. We're all beating each other up. Um, I, You guys are lucky we're doing this for content. I do not want to be in badge bro drafts. Nothing makes me more excited when I hop in one of these drafts and I just see no badges, no names I recognize. I get to just march along on my Stairmaster and pick the best players. And then I get in here with the, what do we have? We have the blue check brigade on Twitter. And now we have the red, the red badge brigade here on underdog. There is something a little more ominous about the red badge brigade, just because the way they've <laughs> styled the badge where it feels like yeah. they're really coming to attack us. There is because red is our brains are conditioned to think of red as like a warning, like stop. And it's like, don't get in drafts with this many red badge bros. It will end poorly for you. So do you think that this was also like, obviously some of these guys were our splash play regulars guys. Like I was inverted and Casey Brown, um, Corbin, of course, Corbin Welsh here, our British friend, but like, you think there's some people that come to these drafts cause they know that we're doing it on a stream and they're like, Oh cool. I could get a little bit of an EV on this. Uh, I, I think, uh, I've tried. I think people like being in draft. I mean, I hopped in an ETR draft when Leone and Hertz. It's it's just fun. I certainly get the appeal of being in it. But I think we're all sacrificing a little EV battling against each other. I guess the galaxy brain take could be that you end up getting um, 
a different style draft than normal. You get pushed outside your comfort zone, probably make selections and structures maybe a little different than you know you can execute. Like I know I can execute a pretty clean zero RB or anchor RB build in basically any regular draft. Whereas this one, you kind of know you're going to have to get creative and get funky. Like like you were saying with the elite tight end, you can pretty much always get what of Waller or Kittle in the fourth if you mm -hmm. want. Like you could just lock that in. In this draft, it wasn't even uh, an option for us. Also, I'm glad we took uh, Freermuth where we did because the tight end seems like it got pretty thin already. Yeah. Um, let's see. This will be another interesting spot for us here. Um, I do think we could... You could take, take Spiller for the Rams correlation. Yeah, good call. I've been loving Spiller right now. You could also take uh, Hines for the Giants as well. Um, let's take Spiller yeah. though. This is close. I don't know if I don't know if this can be a four RB build. This is real close. Probably probably want five here. Um, the other thing with tight end, I mean, we could take we could take Okui Boonham. Um, and I think that allows us to do a two tight end build. They both have week nine by. Um, what do you what are you seeing? I feel like we can get Everett later, and I wouldn't mind that. So do you I want to do be, Hines and be done with running back. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm always a big fan of Naheem Hines because I think you get two outs with him of Taylor gets hurt, or they just you know work the pass game more and and actually do what they're saying they're trying to do and get him just extra touches. Um, so I, I like that for Hines, especially with where he goes. And now this gives us so we have we have 13, we're 13 rounds in. Um, we're done at running back, which means we have five more picks, which means we can still get um, a two quarterback or three. We can go three at one of the onesies still, get two at the other, and then tack on a seventh wide receiver. Um, or if we end up liking if we feel like we could get away with a two QB and two tight end build, then we could get to eight wide receivers. Okay. I think both those options sound reasonable to me. I'm hoping we get, I'm hoping we get Daniel Jones. I mean, obviously I don't want to say that out loud, but I would like to get Daniel Jones. Um, if we get Daniel Jones and Everett, I'll feel good about the two and twos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and I'm still in general, like I always want to break ties. If it's fringe, I'd rather break ties in favor of the two over the three um and get that extra wide receiver if we can um but on the flip side like sometimes you just get boxed out and you're you probably don't want to be having like pat fire fryer muth with mo alley cox as a as a two tight end combination interesting chat from jacob saying like, he's hopped in the ship chasing drafts just to force myself to robust rb structures without wide receiver heavy those rooms get i go the opposite way like warren i drafted with you guys in one of the streams the other week uh, i think when you were doing the puppy i was like I want to just get the cleanest 17 week 17 correlations and stacks and just show Pete up on his own stream. So that's like it's a different way of thinking about it that Jacob's doing there. <laughs> oh, you mean uh not trying to, you know, do a good draft, but somehow uh battle uh ideologically against your co-host? Well, I just like showing like I think the most fun parts me, and I think it could be informed by you, but I just think it's fun, is where you set up the stacks, you set up the week 17 correlations at the end. Like people didn't know where you were going, but you somehow ended up with a double stack with the correlation and the bring back. Like that to me is the most satisfying drafts. Yeah. I I have definitely found myself now that I feel like the rooms are getting slightly softer. I really have not been thinking about correlation through the first five rounds quite as much. There's generally some players that are are sliding that I like scooping up and I feel like I'm getting different combinations of players because of that value slide than I normally am. Um, and then really starting to think about correlation uh, much later. Um, I've been going correlation crazy. I took Burrow and Allen on the Friday stream that I was doing and also stacked. I think I got double stacks on both of them. Um, like I've been going, I've been trying to get, you know, different kinds of, uh, you know, correlations that I think everybody else will have in terms of whatever chalkiness that's going to be. But yeah, like I, I've probably now beaten it too much into my head. Just from hearing you talk about it, that. I'm like week 17, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it real nice. I'm going to really get it <laughs> heavy and make sure everybody knows I'm correlated. Well, I think that's the temptation too, is like, obviously you want the premium version of the correlations. Our braids are all wired to want that. 
Um, I had a spot where I had, I did, I, it was only my second Allen team. I had digs, Allen fell. I grabbed him, ended up passing on Gabe Davis. I forget who slid there and ended up tacking on Isaiah McKenzie at the end. And I assume most people in that spot are just grabbing Gabe Davis. The correlation it's, it's so clean. It makes so much sense, but there was another big value there. And I didn't, um, I didn't want to sacrifice it just to kind of jam in correlation that I know digs Allen drafters are going out of their way to get, you know, thinking what are, maybe I can have a different combo here and still accomplish the same thing. We did have, um, uh, Gerald Everett go, but I think we should, uh, get, uh, Tyler Higby, uh, yeah. at 170 to finish our double stack with Stafford. And we could just take Daniel Jones here as well. I think let's make sure we get Higby just cause the room has been pretty tight and crazy. Yeah. And he, I would be pretty surprised if he took a third QB there. Yeah. I agree. And Stafford is one of those guys because he's not going to give us much rushing. I do really want the double stack with the two pass catching options there. So Higby really our last viable option. And then I do think this makes sense because now with these, these two onesie positions, I think we can get away with two and two. Don't you? Yeah, I think we got the best. I mean, Furbooth being a tight end one is never going to make me feel the most joy, but I think Higby is a little bit undervalued for what he's been historically. And and like you talked about too, like, you know, Stafford's going to throw it to somebody there and it's either Cup or Robinson or Higby at this point and maybe Van Jefferson to some fractional amount. Um, but I think Higby's probably a little bit, his ADP should be, I think, 10 spots higher is what I would say. And Spags, I, I don't know if you noticed, we did get Daniel Jones 10 picks past ADP. So... <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> I just wanted to how I wanted it on the Friday show. I'm glad we finally justified it. We did. We finally got a, a scooping Daniel Jones here. I think it's, that's one of your best bits because there's like a home game version of somebody could be, if they're home alone, they can howl for themselves. Like I think people don't <laughs> like to feel what it's like to howl. Yeah. Well, like I said on last week's show, uh, Lord was gone that day when I introduced the howling. So, you know, I don't know if she's yet to, she just experienced her first, uh, real howl here. I don't know how that's going to go. Well, hopefully she's off today. Right. I would hope. Um, she's not actually, actually, no, oh. she, I, I should know. I think I actually don't know. I think she's off, but said she actually needed to catch up on some stuff. Got it. Got it. Also. So here's one week 17 correlation that I liked and that I did yesterday. Um, I had burrow with chase Higgins, then got Gabe Davis a little bit ahead of ADP. So I'm a little bit ashamed there, but then James cook. So I didn't get that. The Allen Diggs part of that, but I got Buffalo. I got the full Cincinnati stack. Like that's the ones that I like that are still close enough to center, but you're going a little bit off of the, the beaten path. Yeah. Yeah. I like those. And I, I don't know. I just, there's so many, options to correlate late right and the more picks you have under your belt the more options there are you know like when you when you're only through three rounds there's only a couple options for correlation um the further you get along the more the board starts to open up so i'm generally just not panicked about being able to find correlation uh late and i do think i'm also willing like that correlation doesn't always have to be a bring back game stack. I still think the more powerful correlation is going to be betting on a team, ideally quarterback to pass catcher, but I don't mind tossing in um, the running back as well. So, you know, similar to kind of what we did with the Seahawks uh, thing there with Metcalf and uh, who else did we take? Uh, Kenneth Walker. You know, I'm, I'm not shying away from those, even though, trust me, the, the running back wide receiver correlations, they feel so good. They they obviously feel very good, but um, I'm not just prioritizing those over over everything. Have you seen some of the Gabe Davis pushback, by the way? Like people really like starting threads about how he shouldn't get drafted where he is. And I think uh, there was one thread I saw people, uh, some guy comparing Gabe Davis to Alan Lazard and saying, Alan Lazard's the real Gabe Davis and should be going whatever. And like a lot of threads like this popping up. And I think at a certain point, like what you're saying about buying it on good teams, like that to me is why I'm comfortable with Gabe Davis. I agree. Like the Packers receivers are probably undervalued by a little bit, but like Davis is good. Like I, he's getting steamed up a little bit too much, but to me, it's like Higgins where you expect that tide to rise. So I'm willing to kind of go with whatever boats are on that tide. I would love to be in more drafts with people who think Alan Lazard is the real Gabe <laughs> Davis. Um, I think, he, I mean, Liam, I, again, I know we have to throw out some of his bills homerism, but, um, I know Liam doesn't see a big difference between the T Higgins, Mike Williams, Gabe Davis. I personally do mainly because of 
you know, what T Higgins has done as both like a, a rookie and a prospect and Gabe Davis coming on at a little slower clip. Like, I just feel like they're in a different caliber as, as players, but I do think you can make the argument that in one game or two game sample sizes that they all provide similar ceiling, right? Like I think I'd prefer Higgins over Gabe Davis for the course of the entire season. But if you told me final two weeks, 16 and 17, Gabe Davis versus T Higgins, like I, I think both of them could provide similar returns there. And so with that kind of argument, wide receiver two with a good quarterback on a really good offense, like I certainly see the argument for pushing those guys up. Um, not, not pushing them down. And I do just think in general, these markets are really efficient. And if you're five rounds off of Gabe Davis's value relative to the market, you probably need to rethink your process because yeah. you're probably missing something. Yeah, you're probably the one that's wrong at that point. Um, yeah. All right. Where do you want to go here? Um, let's see. Not hmm. a lot to love. No. Uh, you do want to just take Julio, a guy who I think's value will uh increase here once he signs yeah i guess i i don't know that i'm buying that as much and you could have talked me to taking duvernay just to get the pittsburgh correlation but we could probably get duvernay later. yeah i also hmm this is this is a pretty gross spot here so this is our second to last pick we probably do have one luxury pick um we don't necessarily have to man Anything jumping out to you? You could talk me into taking one more running back, I guess, if you wanted, but I don't like taking a yeah. leverage back, like a Brian Robinson, like a guy or a foreman. Brian Robinson, yeah, is probably, yeah, we can do that. It's like a guy who's got a shot at being a bell cow at that point and maybe can, you know, supplant an injured Eli Mitchell or Ken Walker getting scooped by Penny or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so just kind of looking, heading into our last pick. So we, we have the Stafford double to Cooper cup and Higby. We have our little bring back with Spiller in week 17 with the giants. We have Daniel Jones with Saquon and Kenny Galladay. We also have, uh, Naheem Hines in that game. So, you know, from our big bets, we're in a good shape. I think we're fine being at two quarterbacks, two tight ends, and I do think we had a luxury pick there and now we can kind of figure out an eighth wide receiver that we want to attack on that might have some nice correlation. Let's see. Who do we have? I mean, yeah. Tight end. I do think that I, I'm just going to say again, Daniel Bellinger is running with the first team for the giants, big bodied guy who did great out pretty well. So like if we were to go to a three tight end build and we didn't have, you know, Saquon and Galladay, I think you could still make the case for Bellinger in this build. Um, besides yeah, that I'm, though, I think, yeah, we don't have to go that way. I'm not opposed to, uh, to a three tight end uh, build there at all either. Um, or we can take Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, if you want to plant that flag, or Richie James. <laughs> it's it is. I know. I've had to I've had to pump my brakes on my Darius Slayton love. Um, Richie James is kind of kind of a fun pick here. I mean, he he was good. Like he was good whenever he played for the Niners. It's just you know that was always fleeting, and there was always somebody else who was a little bit better. I also have been um, in interested in um did you read the reports about isaiah mckenzie and that he's kind of given jameson crowder a run for his money in, no, in training camp mm -hmm. yeah and i mean that one's very intriguing for me uh as well we i mean you it's you don't even have to try that hard to make the case for isaiah mckenzie we've already seen kind of his blow up potential and if you if you told the market that he was going to leapfrog jameson crowder on the depth chart and for those targets, I mean, he's probably even going around ahead of where Crowder's going now, just because he has a more exciting kind of yards after the catch talent profile. So I've, I've also been uh, grabbing plenty of uh, Isaiah McKenzie right now, just in case uh, that pans out. I kind of, what does that mean for Khalil Shakir? Like I would have thought that he would be a guy who would challenge Crowder more. And I, I mean, maybe that's my fault for kind of filing McKenzie as a guy who was a gadget guy, kind of that more of that Tavon Austin type. But like, I feel like Shakir was the one that I would worry about long-term. Yeah, long-term, but I still think, I mean, it's going, th those rookies and coming in and contributing right away mm -hmm. for one of the best offenses, I still think is a, a thin scenario. Um, Whereas I think we feel pretty confident that one of Crowder or McKenzie is going to be on the field in every three wide receiver set. 
Yeah, McKenzie's shown it when he's been on the field too for the team, so that could carry a little bit of weight. So like, yeah, I get it. Um, I honestly, I don't have a strong. Oh, there goes Mackenzie. Maybe we talked him enough yeah. for MJ. That's <laughs> what like I, you know, I just tried. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm down on the Richie James pick. Um, the uh, other guy, I've a little buzz on uh, Juwan Jennings these days, being the uh, the wide receiver three in San Francisco over over Noah Gray. Um, but with these last picks, I do like getting outside of the, I don't know, what would you call it? The, the ADP Goldilocks zone where these players aren't going in most drafts. You want to do Richie James? Yeah. Why not? It's your account. That was a goal of yours. If I could help you achieve a goal on one of your streams, Pete, that's all, that's all I care about at the end of the day. Um, all right. So see, I've been doing so many drafts. I'm even behind on naming these. Um, (laughs) All right, Spags, our final team here. I'll read it off, and then you can give uh, a final check-in on how you think we did. Stafford and Daniel Jones at quarterback uh, did get them slightly past ADP. Uh, who uh, Saquon um, anchor build here with Eli Mitchell, Ken Walker, Spiller, Hines, Brian Robinson. Generally don't get to six running backs in a build like this, but I did feel like we had a luxury pick. Um, Cooper Cup, Mike Williams, Gabriel Davis, DK Metcalf, Brandon Ayuk, Kenny Galladay, Julio Jones, Richie James. Actually really like this wide receiver room. Uh, I think we kind of navigated a wide receiver room, heavy wide receiver room pretty well. And then tight end, probably our weak spot here with just Pat Fryermuth and Tyler Higby. We're going to need each of those guys to score a shit ton of touchdowns, but I think that's possible. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a unique team. Like, and I think we got good upper tier talent, like, especially if you are like me and the DK Metcalf could actually be very good. If, if he has anybody throwing them a deep ball with some reliability, um, the, the back end though, like our receiver room at the back end is a little bit soft. I feel and the running backs, some leaps of faith there, but I think we got okay value. So maybe not full value hound value, but value enough. Yeah, I do. If I could maybe have one thing back, maybe I would, we pivot Brian Robinson to a third tight end, make that third tight end, the Bellinger, and then get a slightly better, uh, wide receiver pick than Richie James. That would maybe be how I would redo that. If I had a mulligan on the end game. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But I think we also kind of made a bet against the elite tight ends, which works for me because I am so heavy on elite tight ends that like this is basically saying tight end won't matter this year. And I think that like, that's a reasonable strategy to have overall. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's why one thing too, when you talk about the structures, right? Like last year, um, double anchor RB had a really high win rate and it was kind of masking that it was actually round two running backs that actually smashed last year. Um, so if you took two round two running backs to start, that's where you were really, uh, cooking. And that was what Liam had. He had Jonathan Taylor and Aaron Jones, but that, your, these structures are still dependent on certain things happening. And especially at the tight end position where it's like in a year where Kelsey smashes, well, the early tight ends are going to have insane win rates. But if the top two or three tight ends crater, then you're going to say, oh, elite tight end was uh, a bus. So I like, that's why I'm okay. Not always having an elite tight end because mm. you still want to make sure that you're, you, if the year goes wrong for that position, even in a macro trend, which can happen for all of these structures that you're still able to harness it with other parts of your profile. So obviously this is a build, like you said, where we'll be rooting against the elite tight ends from hitting. Yeah. So I think an interesting team that we built here on this combination stream in the morning. And of course, if you're watching live or after the fact, make sure you hit the like button before you go. Uh, Pete, what are the plugs for you? I feel like you got to give the club top shot party thing a big plug here because that is a unique brand of content. You won't see on your normal streams, an actual live in-person hangout event. Yeah. So I am uh, going to be taking off for New York here in a couple hours. And yeah, we're going to be doing that show. The stream is going to kick off tomorrow at 6.30 PM. Uh, like I said, we're juggling an actual uh, live show taping for a live audience in addition to the stream. Uh, but the people over at Underdog have their their shit locked down for how to do those uh, streams well. So I'm I'm confident that we'll be able to pull it off. So you can tune into that. And then I did end up pushing back some of my streams on Wednesday. Um, Brian and I are going to do Lowell's, uh, maybe a little Friday morning Lowell's thing instead, because I'll be driving back, but I believe ship chasing will still go off as usual on Wednesday night. All right. So there you go. And we'll be back on Thursday at two. You'll be back on, on time on Thursday, right? Yes. 
Yeah, okay. So Thursday, 2.30, Pete and I will be back. Of course, subscribe to the Splash Play channel as well for the Friday solo streams. If you want to check out the one I did on Friday, kept that at a lean two hours. So if you need some time, if you're just hanging out today, nothing to do, feel free to listen back on that one. I think we had some fun, some hijinks there. We appreciate all you guys watching this show. Make sure you follow at Peter Roberts, follow at Chris Spags, and follow at Splash Play Pod. And we'll see you guys again soon. Enjoy your days. Bye. Wow, Spags, I thought you were going to try to milk that monologue at least about 15 more seconds so you could get this in time just to 60 minutes, Spags. I, I think that's growth, the fact that you didn't feel the need to milk this just a bit longer, but we're good now. See you guys.